Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. Some seasons in the National Football League are already over, and 0-2 dooms your season. Some seasons are over in college football already, too, after just three or four weeks of play. And the St. Louis Cardinals, your favorite baseball team, your St. Louis Cardinals, may never lose a baseball game again. But of course, we have to start in the National Football League. Nobody circles the wagons on our program or in life quite like the National Football League. Heading into week three, we're recording this during the Thursday night's news fest between the Panthers and the Texans. Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, his hamstring, he's out. Why are we watching this? So we won't dive too much into that unless something amazing happens as the show goes on. But as mentioned, this is the moment of the season where you start hearing those whispers for 0-2 teams, maybe their season is already over based on the stats of how it goes if you start the season 0-2. Sometimes a very difficult hole to get out of. Now, there are teams that are 0-2 that are not a surprise at all. Conversely, there are teams that are 2-0, one of them playing tonight, that are quite the surprise. But on the 0-2 side, you have the Jets, not a shock. You have the Colts, hmm, a little surprising with the Carson Wentz situation going into week three with both his ankle sprained. Of course, Carson Wentz has two sprained ankles, not just one. We had a sprain both, and he's struggling to get back on the field. You don't say. The Jaguars in that division, 0-2, not a surprise at all for them either. The Giants, 0-2, they were playing a little bit better. I guess if you had to pick who would lead the way for surprises, the Vikings at 0-2. The bottom line, big fella, is... And to all our, our friends and fans, welcome back. Sorry, we missed you last week. I had a physical slash medical ailment. I am back and better than ever on the road to recovery. And thank you for all the cards and letters and the kind emails uh, that I got from our absolute plethora of fans, uh, including our buddy John uh, John Birch, uh, the Kansas Comet. But the the thing that hits me the most is that we are obviously prejudiced being in the Northeast area here in the greater metropolitan area. This will be another lost season for New York football fans. The jets in full recovery mode. I, I think they, I think they've got the right coach. I think he, he's, he's the right guy. Any, anything from where they were in terms of Adam Gaze is a step up. We'll just have to wait and see about the quarterback. He had a horrendous week too against Bill Belichick's defense with four interceptions. At times, the Jets looked like they were competing on the defensive side, but on the offensive side of ball, it was awful. 
And the Giants just stink. And I'm tired of you know, the Joe Judge essays. All I hear is just nonstop footballese from Coach Judge and all the rave reviews about what a taskmaster he is. You know, the work, the rough workouts and the, the fights. And, you know, we're a family and that's good. And we're going at They stink. They stink. Your Broncos came in here in the first week of the season and absolutely embarrassed the Giants. And then, of course, they lose the heartbreaker, jumping off sides in the last play of the game, the field goal uh, last Thursday night in that thriller against the Washington football team. It is going to be another. I, I asked Chris Mandog Russo, I said, Eight and a half is my under over. Total wins, Jets, Giants. He went over. I'm going under because I'm going five and three. I think the Giants blow. I think they're hideous. Their offensive line is a mess. We don't know if the running back is back to full strength. We can't tell. It's two steps forward, three steps back. Lots of runs for losses. One big one here. The constantly fumbling, stumbling quarterback, the general manager who can't get out of his own way, a mediocre defense, they blow. Now, they're in the worst division in, in all of football. They get the, re- the, excuse me, flip of the tongue. They get the Washington football team twice. They get the Eagles twice. And of course, they get the Cowboys twice. Cowboys, pretty good. Eagles, not so bad. When their first one competed against San Francisco, and the Washington football team won and won. Well, who's 0 2? Only team that's 0 2. The G-Men. The G-Men are the We-Men. They suck. They can't score. They can't run the ball. The offensive line is from hunger. They did nothing to address it. And it's just going to be another pathetic football season. You know, obviously, long-suffering Jets fans, you know what they're in for. Hopefully the quarterback makes progress and stays upright. And this will be the season that either – You've got a quarterback, Daniel Jones, or you don't. My money says you don't. That's New York football in a nutshell. Awful again, 0-4, and in my mind, headed towards a total amount of wins of eight or less for these two train wreck franchises. As for the other 0-2 teams, Atlanta, their quarterback got old fast. He still looks the same. It's even when he was 27, but I can't believe how old Matty Ice is. He aged gracefully, but quickly. Two interceptions for touchdowns last week against the defending champs. Another miserable look at defense. Five and 12, maybe. Their season's over. They're not going to the playoffs. They stink. And then we come to the Colts. The Indianapolis Colts, who I said to you and whoever would listen, to anyone who would listen, Sam Donald is the quarterback for them. Trade for him. He can play. Thought he was the best quarterback in the draft when the crew got drafted. Hasn't looked like it. Why? Probably Adam Gaze. Probably the Morbid Jets. Injuries. Thrown into the fire. No support. No coach. No offensive line. No receivers. No running backs. Now he finds himself in Carolina with a coach who knows what he's doing, with a franchise that's drafted all defense, and they're on the verge of going 3-0, even though they lost Christian McCaffrey for who knows how long with the hamstring injury. I'm not saying Sam Darnold 
is a top-of-the-heap quarterback. I'm not saying Sam Darnold is going to be the best quarterback in that draft like I thought he was going to be. What I am saying is the Colts made a huge mistake because Sam Darnold can play, and I don't think that the guy that they took, who gets hurt literally, lacing up his shoes with not one but two sprained ankles, I don't know how in the world you take a chance on Carson Wentz, regardless of the fact that his old quarterback coach was now the head coach. I'm trading for Sam Darnold, not Carson Wentz. One team's on the verge of going 3-0. and The other team is already 0-2. I think the Colts are 0-2 and in huge trouble. Huge trouble in a division that was eminently winnable, in a division everybody picked them to win, in a division a lot of people didn't even pick the Titans to make the playoffs. I did. However, they are in night, now a nightmare scenario. Because Wentz is hurt, and they are going with – who are they going with? Oh, Jacoby Brisket? Jacoby Brisket, right? See their quarterback? Is, is, is he still there? I don't even know. He is starting on Sunday. <laughs> Not for as them. Kid, as as uh, Champagne Tony Eason came off the bench and threw a quarterback, uh, threw an interception, is one throw. While the guy they traded for, once again, is hurt. Colts are in dire, dire straits. Division stinks. Jacksonville, we know, blows. Houston is pathetic. So you, you got a chance there at four wins, but now that division is there for the taking for Tennessee, who was this close, this close for being 0-2. And lo and behold, Seattle just gives the game away. Game is totally in hand, totally completely in hand. Turned by three touchdowns. Next thing you know, in comes the big man catching the ball, running the ball. Seattle can't put it away. Russell Wilson and company goes from 2-0 to 1-1. Tennessee jumps up to 1-1. Maybe saves their season. Probably not. Even if they're 0-2 during that horror show division with now, obviously, four wins against the two hitting teams. And who knows against the Colts? I don't think Tennessee saved their season, but I thought it was a great save to get to 1-1 by Tennessee when they're on the verge of going 0-2. But their division, eminently winnable. So 0-2, not all is lost. Everywhere else, everywhere you look, you're done. Minnesota, done. Awful. Can't win with a quarterback anyway, even though the division stinks. We know Detroit's awful. Bears remains to be seen with a rookie quarterback that you know, slashed the red rifle. You know, Green Bay's division, period, end of story. Yeah, they were awful game one. Game two, first half, mediocre. Got it done in, in the second half. And now they're getting ready to win. But that division is Green Bay's, plain and simple. Maybe Minnesota sneaks out 8-9. But that's not going to get you in the postseason. Uh, I I just think the teams that are 0-2 are pretty much right where they should be. They're either bad teams or they're teams that find a way to lose. Plain and simple. And there are other teams that 1-1, they're in huge trouble. The Dolphins, who everybody loves, got dismantled, embarrassed demolished by the Bills as their young quarterback. Once again, showing how fragile he is. Who knows what he's going to play again with his bad reps. And you know, are they still talking to Houston? We'll see. Houston's supposedly wanting basically half a franchise for their quarterback who still can't play. But Miami in a heap of trouble. They sneak out a win in week one and they get 
absolutely pulverized. It's one thing to lose a game, but when you get your head handed to you by a division rival, that to me speaks volumes. And they got an island, and they have nothing going on at quarterback. Absolutely nothing going on. So to me, the, the, there are no only two teams out there who have anywhere to go. No one. Their seasons are all over. The only 0-2 team that could have had a chance had they gone 0-2 was Tennessee, which was on the verge of going that route and found a way to pull a rabbit out of that. So they're fine now. But even in 0-2, I thought they would have been okay considering the status of the division, especially with you know, the oft-injured uh, quarterback going once again I'm assuming he's not playing this week. You said Brissette uh, is going to start. So who knows how long the dual ankle sprain kid is going to be out this time. You know, again, like I said, huge mistake. They could add Sam Donald. They opted for Carson Wentz. I think it will cost them their season. That's the way I look at the O2 teams right now. I'm with you. I think if you had seen life, strong life, a strong pulse from some of these 0-2 teams, maybe you could swallow the idea that they can get out of the hole, but for pretty much all of them, it was just ugly. And ugly in a sense like the Giants improved in Week 2. Daniel Jones played better in Week 2. But you're not at the point yet where you could dig yourself out of that 0-2 hole. Improving from Week 1 to Week 2 is nice. But unfortunately, as you mentioned... Well, they had nowhere to go but up. Exactly. But I mean, week one, was the, they looked like a Pop Warner team. They were dominated by your Broncos. 2-0, I might add. You know, and playing well. By Teddy, all he does is win Bridgewater. Not spectacular, but solid. Getting it done. Finding ways. Taking care of the football. Letting the Denver defense do the work. Running it when necessary. Throwing it downfield a little bit. Teddy... Never spectacular. When healthy, always solid. Leading the league in several statistical quarterback categories, but you could also argue, as one should, when your first two games are against the Giants and the Jaguars. But as we said on this show, leading up into the season, the thought for Teddy Bridgewater is a little bit more than just a quarterback manager because he has talent. He's not just going out there and throwing it Mac Jones style. Look, he'll never be the same physically because of that terrible injury. Right. So he'll never be the same athletically as he was. People don't realize how serious an injury he had. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were serious questions as whether he would play again. He has made a remarkable comeback, and I'm really happy for him because all anybody ever says about Teddy Bridgewater are positive things, but what an excellent guy he is, what a great teammate, what a wonderful leader, and I think Denver made the right choice in giving him the starting nod, because he knows how to lead. He has the respect of his teammates and the locker room, and you've got a viable young guy behind him who, when he's ready to be called, it'll be his turn, and you'll eventually see if he's the guy or not. If he's not, You've got Bridgewater to quarterback your franchise in a professional fashion and win football games that are winnable with your defense, your receivers, your running backs, your special teams. He won't lose you games they should win. Will he win games 
that they should lose? Probably not. But he is a more than capable, solid, fringe, top half of the drawer NFL quarterback. All they're asking him to do is control the game. Don't make too many mistakes. Lean against your defense because you can. And he's done a perfect job so far after two games. Don't give the ball away. What's the old saying in football? All right. Any possession that ends in a kick can't be all bad. If it ends in a kick, two good things happen. And no bad things happen. Either it ends with a field goal or an extra point. So two out of three ain't bad. A punt, that means the other team didn't score. So any possession that ends with a kick, you got a 66 and two-thirds chance that it's really good. And the other third is not bad. Don't give the football away. Last time I checked, the other team can't score without it. So don't give it away. Don't shorten the field. Don't hurt your defense. And Teddy Bridgewater does a very good job of doing all those things. Now, their coach is not exactly a rocket scientist. He's certainly not an offensive guru. Defense is the name of his game. So Teddy is forced to literally play to not just his team's strength, but his coach's strength. But 2-0, so far so good in Denver. Vic Fangio, the pride of Dunmore, Pennsylvania. We've got to shoot that in there whenever we can. There you go. Two touchdowns in his two games. 125.6 and a 115.7 quarterback rating, if that's of any interest to anybody. He's been great. And as I mentioned, he's leading the league in a lot of categories that he should be after playing those poor teams. It's going to get tougher, obviously, especially when they get into the division. Sweet heavens. But if you look at the AFC, there's two undefeated teams. We, as a show... And you all, as listeners, certainly did not pick that the two undefeated teams in the AFC after two weeks are the Denver Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders. Who beat my Ravens in the opener. And look, the Ravens are one and one. And quite frankly, they should be. They lost one they should have won. They won one they should have lost. The first game against the Raiders, you know, it was Lamar Jackson giveaway night. With the two fumbles, uh, both horrible fumbles, one with control of the game in the third quarter and turn the game around, shorten the field for the Raiders. They go in and tie it. Uh, Ravens eventually losing overtime in one of the most freaky endings you will ever see when it looked like they lost uh, for sure. And then the replay showed that they didn't lose. But then obviously, first and goal from that one foot line, they were going to lose. And then uh, just ridiculous procedure penalty, but they're still going to lose. But then a tipped upon interception, and they didn't lose. Then right back to Lamar, he turns it over. Then they lost. And then week two, Lamar, a mind-numbing interception into the end zone at the end of what looked like a good drive. First one, not his fault. Uh, Sammy Watkins falls down, pick six. They come right back. And Lamar playing well a couple drives later, and then just inexcusably throws in a quadruple coverage. Hollywood Brown is surrounded by four guys in the middle of the end zone, and you get no points. 
Kansas City in control, 11-point lead in the ball. And for some reason, another Patrick Mahomes who does think he's Superman makes one of his goofy plays that didn't work, almost Lamar-esque in terms of how mindless it was, was in the process of getting, I'm not sure if it was still by the line of scrimmage, so uh, you know it would have been a sack. And to avoid it as he's going down, he throws it up for grabs on midfield. The Ravens come down with it, go down the field, go from 11 to, uh, to cut it to one score on a Jackson touchdown. Uh, and then, uh, lo and behold, excuse me, on the, yeah, the Jackson touchdown. And lo and behold, they get stopped, get the ball back, and take the lead. But you still figure, all right, well, Patrick Mahomes got the ball. Minute and a half left, two minutes left. All they need is a field goal. Ravens really haven't stopped them cold all night. Uh, you probably scored too early, which is always the case. Down the field they go when they're in that automatic field goal range, high 40s. Two plays. And <laughs> Two plays, they were ready. And then they got greedy. They, they, they didn't get greedy. They gave the ball to the running back. What are you doing? And the Penn State, you know, I, I'm not going to malign the Andy Reid for giving the ball to the running back in the middle of the field when the Ravens are out of timeouts. And or I think they had one left. And the kid from Penn State reaches in and makes a great play, pulls it out, makes an even greater play, falls on it. And the Ravens go three plays in nine yards. Casey spends their timeouts and they decide to go for it, rightfully so, to not give the ball back to Mahomes again. Lamar Jackson gets the first down, game set match. They should have clearly lost that game, despite. Despite Lamar Jackson's heroics, because uh, Mahomes made a moronic decision, which flipped the game. So the Ravens are right where they should. Should have won the first one, lost it, should have lost the second, won it, but a huge win for them because at 0 2 in that division with their schedule, season not over, but season on the brink. So a huge win for the Ravens, 36 35 on Sunday Night Football. So much for losing the running backs. The offense won't be able to do anything because Lamar can't throw the ball, whatever other nonsense people throw out. The interesting part has been the defense has, is where, I don't want to say the troubles lie, but there's been two high-scoring games that you guys well, have to Well, I think the defense is going to get better because they've got a lot of new guys. Um, they lost Marcus Peters. Jimmy Smith has been out. They're getting squared away with you know, Wolf has been out also. So they've been decimated by injuries. But other than Peters, the guys on defense who are out will be back. So they think the defense is going to get progressively better. And they did just play Kansas City and an Oakland offense that is pretty good. And remember that Oakland offense was helped by Lamar Jackson turnovers. So keep that in mind. So I think the defense will be better. Um, the other thing that to look around is, where is the defense? Where is the defense in the National Football League? Can somebody find it for me? Even the good teams, where's the defense? Tampa hasn't been able to stop a strong wind. Seattle's defense gave the game away last week against Tennessee. Tennessee couldn't stop Seattle. 
The Rams' defense was not up to its normal standards against the Chargers. We talked about the Ravens' defense. And the only defense to me that so far has looked pretty strong is San Francisco, but look who they played. They haven't played anybody whose offense is anything remotely resembling, how should we say, above average. And we know Arizona has no defense. They'll, they'll score everybody. We know Green Bay's defense is a work in progress. So where is the defense? I understand it's hard to play. Very hard to play. Where is the defense in the National Football League? Who's going to step up and show me they can play defense? The real defense to worry about to me is the Chiefs. Excuse me, is the Chiefs. Because, and granted, played the best running team in the National Football League and probably the second best running team in the National Football League. Browns stopped themselves with a huge Nick Chubb fumble, which threw that game around. And they never stopped the Ravens. As you said, with, you know, I don't, I hate these two running backs off the street because, you know, we know that Murray is a good running back. He was a thousand yard runner. He was successful in New Orleans. Freeman was out of a job. And Williams is the rookie uh, of the practice squad from BYU. So none of their frontline guys, but I still think a pretty strong, stable. And that offensive line proving that between them and their offensive coordinator, they have the best running game and scheme in the National Football League, which is obviously not aided or helped immensely, but which is geared around the athletic ability of their quarterback. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Obviously, as a Broncos fan, I'm going to hate the Chiefs. The Chiefs, interestingly enough, too, were kind of like the Warriors in the beginning. When Patrick Mahomes first broke out on the scene, it was like when the big three, Steph, Clay, and Draymond, broke onto the scene. It's like, wow, these guys are a lot of fun to watch. I love what they're doing. They're changing the sport. They're going to be great forever. And then eventually the novelty wars off. Just like when LeBron comes back from 3-1 and beats the 73-win Warriors, who all of a sudden turned into the villains because they were too good. LeBron wasn't the villain anymore. He's the underdog trying to bring his team back against this historic program, and he does. And then they stayed villains when Kevin Durant came around. And now I think if Clay comes back and they get back to that original group with a couple additions, they'll go back to the fans will enjoy them again. I think the Chiefs are in that place now, especially last year. It's the same thing that happened in the NBA. Tom Brady, this villain with the New England Patriots, hated Deservedly so. Because of Boston fans, too. Disliked. All the words. Six Super Bowls. He goes to Tampa as an old man going up against the Chiefs, and he's the fan favorite now with the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Chiefs are the villains. They're too good. He wins the Super Bowl. He's the hero. Who would have thought? And it's the same type of thing this year where it's like, all right, Chiefs, 
Why don't you give somebody else a chance with your Tyreek Hill running all over people, Kelsey can't be brought down, and Mahomes doing what Mahomes does. Well, in a game against the Ravens where they get a little cocky, and they're deserving to be cocky, they're fucking good. Tyreek Hill throws up the peace sign when he's ran past you and you're just blown in the dust as a National Football League cornerback. Put up the deuces, man. I get it. I get the celebrations. I get the left-handed throws, all of it. But when it goes against you, we're going to relish in it. When Mahomes doesn't take the sack and he tries to throw it instead and gets picked off, good for you. We've seen it work, granted, but good for you when it doesn't. No, you shouldn't be able, you shouldn't be able to get away with that stuff. Good for you. Comes and he back didn't. to bite you eventually. And it did, and that he did. Game. It came back and it bit him in the ass. There was one interesting thing I would take out of that game. And it's not because the Ravens did it, but when certain experts in the pregame broke down what the Ravens have to do, it was a mindset of anybody but Hill, anybody but Kelsey. Well, I would slightly modify that to be anybody but Hill. Because it's virtually impossible to take them both away. Yeah. But, and, you know, Kelsey had that that huge catch and run where middle of the field, digged a couple guys, ran through another guy, carried another guy. Had a, but Kelsey's not going to have many 60-yard catch and runs for touchdowns. To me, you must take Hill away. You must eliminate six catches for 195 yards and you know, two touchdowns of over 50. Those three for must... 14 yards sound because that's I what mean, the Ravens did. Exactly. And they had the young quarterback from Alabama on him who was in there because Marlon or because uh, Marcus Peters is out for the season. And he was brilliant, but obviously he had a ton of help. I firmly believe you must take his favorite target, his deep threat away. Put him in the lockbox. You can't let him beat you deep. You can't let him beat you on a catch and run. You must not just control him. You must shut him down. Make him throw the ball to Kelsey 15 times. Make him throw it to Robinson. Make him throw it to the, the kid from Georgia. Make the kid from LSU beat you. Anybody but him. Now, they still score 35 points against what should be a really good defense. So that doesn't mean it worked, but you can do it. They were able to do it. They were able to take him away. Obviously, that opened things up for everybody else. You know what? I will take my chances with everybody else. Right. Because I don't think anybody else is going to go seven for 180 or eight for 230. No disrespect to those other players. There's a lot of really good ones. But he is the most mercurial game breaking player in the league. Bar none. Whether it's over the top or catching it in the middle of the field, in space, he is the guy that sends absolute shockwaves through the defense. He's the guy that keeps you up at night. So I'm just going to take it away. 
Simple as that. I'll make you throw it to Kelsey and try and tackle. I'll make you throw it to Robinson. Maybe he drops one. I'll make you give it to the running back. Maybe he fumbles one. Yeah. Maybe they'll get a holding penalty. Maybe he'll make a dumb mistake and try and throw a ball because he thinks he's Superman and it gets picked off and it flips the game. And you do what the Raven offense did to him. You beat the hell out of him. You ram the ball down the throat. Same way the Browns did. But unlike the Ravens, you must eliminate the mistakes. You must eliminate the interceptions. Again, the pick six, I can't even blame Lamar. Watkins falls down, probably would have been a catch or a drop, because it's right where he was. Turns into a pick six. But the throw into the end zone that takes away points can't happen. People are asking, can the Ravens win a title, go to a Super Bowl, go to the next level with Lamar Jackson? I say absolutely yes. And I say it unlike everybody else, without Lamar Jackson having to turn into this not even prolific, but much better downfield passer. I don't know how good he's ever going to be. I don't know if he's ever going to be a really good downfield passer. I know what you'll see is plays that you don't see anybody else make, including Patrick Mahomes. Like the throw with both feet off the air to Hollywood Brown wide open 30 yards down the field. Tebow-esque, Al. Well, that wasn't a five-yard throw. Oh, I'm sorry. That that wasn't a little running jump throw. My mistake. I looked away for a second. I was just That was a a 40-yard throw. Right, okay. He can make those plays nobody else can make. What he has to avoid, whether it's in the pocket or scrambling, are the turnovers. The 14-point play against Buffalo. I still think they were the better team. Even if it's 10-6, I think they win that game. Instead, he turns it into 14-3. The fumbles against the Raiders. He will have to learn, yes, to be better in the pocket, but again, he's never going to be prolific. He's never going to stand in the pocket and throw like Patrick Mahomes. He may never stand in the pocket and throw like Teddy Bridgewater in terms of looking comfortable in the pocket and throwing that pretty catchable ball. He's not that accurate. That'll have to improve. Will it improve dramatically? I don't know. But what he must do for them to go to the next level is he must not turn the football over. You can win with him as is if he doesn't kill drives and take points off the board and give the other team points with his turnovers. He will have to learn to slide sooner or later because when you slide, they can't hit you which means you can't fumble. When he's in the open field and he's ready to go down, he's going to have to realize if he's already gained 20 or 18, diving for another three doesn't matter. Feet first saves you, saves the ball. You still got your gain. You're still Lamar. You just don't have to dive to get to the 38 instead of the 40 or the 18 instead of the 20 when you scramble for a first down. If he eventually can learn that, it will be a huge upside and a huge benefit. Because one, he will keep himself out of harm's way and avoid hits. And two, he will avoid following the football on those hits. Three minutes to go in the game and use somersault into the end zone for what is the game-winning touchdown. Loved it. 
He was colorful. Absolutely loved it. And he does play with an enthusiasm. And to his credit, his teammates love him. His teammates love him. His teammates defend him when he fucks up to the nth degree. And he's got a coach that does that too. And he's not trying to change who he is or what's going to work for him. He's working with it, not around it. It's not always going to look the prettiest. He drops back to pass. It's not this this nice, fluid, three-step, five-step drop. All the receivers doing their nice stuff that you see with, like, Rodgers or Brady or that. No. It's a little chaotic looking. Absolutely chaotic is a good decision. The pocket always looks chaotic. Always. He's now, the running around, line, but then it the works. The offensive line is a work in progress because – the only way we said the move around because Ronnie Stanley hurt his ankle and some guys got nicked up. But the offensive line will get better as well as they work more as a group. So as long as they stay healthy, I believe the offensive line will get a lot better and he'll be throwing from a cleaner pocket. Plus, look, they played two really – they played the Raiders who look like they're better than some people thought. You know, they had a vicious pass rush in the first couple of weeks. So they played, obviously, the defending conference champs. So uh, – there hasn't been any any you know an easy road so far. Their schedule is tough, but I think he'll be throwing from as time goes on a less chaotic pocket than we've seen so far. It's a huge win, and as you mentioned, it's a huge win to be one and one instead of zero oh and two after what Massive. happened in the first game. Massive. And it was nice to have it happen against the Chiefs, both for his past history with them not being able to beat Patrick Mahomes, and for the National Football League because people are going to enjoy watching the Chiefs lose. Now, they're not going to enjoy watching their bets lose because they still become a favorite to throw in at the end of a parlay. Eh, I have four teams. Why not make it five? The Chiefs will win this week. So that never helps out matters for people. Most interesting game of the week coming up for, for me, I would have to say, is Rams-Buck. Would you Rams-Bucks, would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love how Matt Stafford looks with these Rams. He's like a kid in the candy store with the offense that he has and then getting to watch the defense do their thing. He's got a a new life to him. Now people say, well, he had Calvin Johnson for however many years. What, What is he doing being a kid in the candy store? You can't get much better than Calvin Johnson. But everything else wasn't the greatest of scenarios. Now he's out there running around with the biggest smile on his face. So let's see what their offense does. And let's see them try to stop Tom Brady. Let's see what their defense does. This is a huge week coming for the Ram defense, Aaron Donald and company. uh, And their great secondary star against the defending Super Bowl champs and a loaded offense with weapons galore everywhere he looks. Uh, Now he has lost one of his toys. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Mr. Brown is on the COVID list and out for the weekend. Am I correct? Yes. On the list. So, you know, Speedy Scotty, I assume, will be back in the mix. We haven't seen hide or hair of him yet. Let's see if on the injured list. He'll throw to him for two touchdowns if he plays. You know that's how Tom Brady likes to roll. The unknown person or the lesser guy. One game he just decides, I'm just going to throw to him all game. And 
what will we see from a Tampa defense that hasn't shown us a lot yet? Yeah. Uh, take it apart by Dallas to the point where they had to get a field goal in the last play of the game to pull the rabbit out of the hat. And yeah, they had two interceptions for touchdowns against the Falcons, but the Falcons had some success against the defending Super Bowl supposed, supposed juggernaut defense. So how successful will that Ram offense be against the Tampa defense? Rams who like to run the ball, but obviously now, as you said, have got their new quarterback at the helm. So to me, that's really the matchup of the weekend. An early barometer on both teams. My pick to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC, the Rams, against, I guess, everybody else's pick to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC, the defending champion Bucks. Interesting timing with it being this early in that the Bucks had all offseason to finally all practice and all gel and keep that chemistry going from last year when coming in the last season, the first one with Tom Brady and Gronk, et cetera, took them a little while to get going. The Rams, as you mentioned, have a new quarterback, still working the kinks out with that, learn the offense, figuring out Sean McVay's photographic memory. We'll see if that benefits. One point spread in favor of the defending Super Bowl champions on the road. So I am equally as intrigued for that game, no question. I think Packers 49ers, that Sunday night game will be interesting and exciting. See if the 49ers are, I guess, for real, if that makes any sense, and see if the and Packers the, are for, for real, if that makes any sense. History. The recent history is that the 49ers manhandle the Packers. They manhandle them physically. Yeah. And the line Packers for Green Bay Packers has not looked great to this point. Packers can't block them. Packers can't stop them. Will there be a turnabout here? Because they have had no luck in protecting their superstar quarterback, who has looked very, very human against the Niners. And they have been able to stop the Niners running game. So what will happen on both sides of the line of scrimmage? Will the Packers' defense step up? Will they continue to struggle against the run? And will they be able to protect their quarterback? And will they be able to run the football? Believe it or not, I know I sound like an idiot. I'm going against what we've seen and the trend, but I like the Packers in that game. I like the Packers in that game. I like Rodgers to pick them apart. Now, I, I probably sound like a dope because you know, I'm a Rodgers guy. I know he's had some terrible moments, especially against his team recently. And he has been you know, an underachiever in the biggest of games the last few years. But I, I think what people doubt him the most is when he steps up. And I think he's still being doubted off of the first week and you know, a, a workmanlike win against the hideous Lions. Uh, and then he comes out firing, basically telling everybody, you know, enough of this shit already. You don't know your ass from your elbow. All the stuff you're listening to are people who don't know me, who don't watch me, who have no idea what I've been doing, who just you know, are talking to say something and see if people listen and talk about what they're saying. They have totally out of touch with reality. So 
I like him best when he's fired up. It's the Aaron Rodgers FU Tour Part 2. It never ends. We already saw last season. We pegged that this on the show. The Aaron Rodgers FU Tour. And it looked like it was the best prediction in sports until inevitably the Packers made the postseason and couldn't score more than three touchdowns. Water is always wet. But Smartest guy, smartest guy in the room. If you don't believe me, just ask him. Also, Chargers-Chiefs. It'll be exciting to see if L.A. keeps that narrative going against the Chiefs' defense of trying to establish the run and beat them that way when we know they love throwing with Justin Herbert, who was completely screwed over last week on two separate touchdowns. I don't know what he did to wrong the referees against Dallas, but they were scoring touchdowns left and right, and flags were coming out like it was the game from Remember the Titans where they couldn't get any of the calls. They just kept taking away touchdowns. Cost them the game. So we'll see if he they is want to a, out or what. He is a good-looking young quarterback. He is. And he's somebody that could keep up with the Chiefs. That's what everybody says. You're not going to hold the ball against them. You're not going to stop that offense. You're going to have to keep up with them. Well, the Ravens did that, and I think the Chargers can too. So we'll see if that's the case. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. We'll also see, going over to Major League Baseball for a hot second. Hello, baby. Cardinals are ever going to lose. Hello, baby. What's going on? What's in the water down there? Did you go down there and, and do something to the irrigation system? Well, you know, I have been reading the riot like act. What's the I've been ready act? to take on John Mazeliak in a steel cage match all year long. Loser leave town match all year long. Calling him out, saying, you know, got to get Paul DeYoung out of the line. No coincidence that the demotion of Paul DeYoung to the bench and you know, turning Matt Carpenter into nothing more than a an occasional left-handed pinch hitter has jump-started this team, but it's been obviously a lot more than that. Twelve in a row, and they are five games up in the lost column of the Walker. And unlike a lot of these other teams, their pitching is getting healthy. While the Dodgers, amazingly, have had three straight bad starts from Urias, Ferris Bueller's day off. And the Hall of Famer, Max Scherzer, the first two, I'm wondering if they finally may be at an innings wall. And Mad Max, you know, sooner or later, you got to give up something. And he got knocked around in Colorado today. So the Dodger pitching is showing some wants right now, as they are now only a game back after an extra inning win today by the Dodgers in Colorado. And an extra inning loss, finally, by the Giants today in San Diego, who, I mean, they could push every button, including the panic button, the ejection seat, and nothing has gone wrong this year. No matter what they do, it works. No matter who they bring up, no matter who they send down, no matter who comes up late in the innings, no matter who goes into pinch hit, no matter who goes into pinch hit for the guy who just pinched hit, every button that that banana head game Kapler has pushed has gone right. I still can't believe it, but it's happened. Their division lead is now down to one with the Dodgers with 10 or 11 left, depending upon uh, whose schedule you look at. So, but 
my squad somehow, someway in it. Your squad won 13 in a row. Amazingly, when we said are they going to lose again, then couldn't win, is right in it with the Red Sox and the Jays for the second and third wildcard spot. Red Sox two-game lead. Your squad now, I believe, a half a game or a game ahead of the Jays who lost today to the Rays. So with two games to go, I mean, wildcard in the American League, totally up for grabs. Still not settled in the National League, along with the NL East, with the Braves losing today, the Phillies knocking at their door. Now is when you start getting some of that thrill in Major League Baseball. For as long of a season as it is, and for how high the odds are that you think this is going to come down to the last couple games, it always does. And sometimes it even works out where the schedulers know what they're doing, put two and two together and think, let's have these guys face off at the end of the season. Correct me if I'm wrong, Braves and Phillies to end the season. Braves and Phillies play a series to end the season. Braves currently two-game lead of the division with, as you mentioned, 9-10, wherever you are to go. And in the AL, it's put up or shut up if you're the New York Yankees because now you have to play – all three teams in your division, this makes or breaks your wildcard hunt. There's no other way around it. Game ahead of the Jays, who got super hot in September. Probably, like, historically hot for the franchise hot. Like, record-breaking hot for all the wins that they've acquired. Boston's two up. They play them on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then they go to Toronto, and then they play the Rays, who hopefully will just bench everyone because they'll be good clinch the division, obviously, and they'll make the postseason. They won't. They'll want to beat the Yankees' ass, understandably so. So that's just nine nail-biting games to end the season in the worst way possible. You wonder if the baseball world outside of Boston and New York wants to see that one game. That's a good point. Well, you wonder, too, if fans of the teams want to see that one game. You think Yankee fans want to go to Boston for a one-game playoff only to get their ass beat and go through all that nonsense just to make the one-game play-in. That game could be in New York. That is true. Could you imagine losing that game after all that? Jesus, you're better off just staying home. Which, if they make the wild-card game, that's the best they could do. They will continue to hold the record for most wild-card game play-in appearances. Could Red Sox-Yankees one-game elimination be the highest-rated non-World Series game ever? Is it possible? Wow. In this day and age? I don't think it's the right teams. I mean, Yankees team and Red Sox team. I think if it was the mid-2000s, Big Poppy, Manny, Pedro, going up against the G, A-Rod. A-Rod, that game might have done it. But this game, even though there's the Stars... The rivalry is coming back, but it's not as it used to be. And, and they, neither team has, I mean, Judge is the closest. For the Red Sox, I mean, you want to say Xander Bogarts? Bogart? Okay. You want to say, but, but they don't have the matinee guy. They don't have trash talkers. They don't have the super duper star. Right. Uh, Judge could be, maybe. They're not going the like, to Fernando Tatis or Vladdy Jr. wire the bat into the dugout after a home run. Like, you're not going to get the pomp and circumstance to kind of either make people love you or hate you. It's like, wow, they're really good baseball players. But if you're baseball, I mean, you have to love 
what's going on with your wild card? Well, you, got, you, got, you got Yankees, Red Sox, Jays, Dodgers, Giants for the division. Yeah. What more can you ask for? Next week, we'll obviously have a better idea because every day this changes. It's amazing. It's going back and forth. The pendulum keeps swinging. If you're a fan of baseball, turn on the TV. Get a little familiarized because the next couple weeks are going to be exciting, no doubt. As well as in the MVP and Cy Young races in both leagues. And in college football, nobody's really dominant. Nothing to report. Everybody's kind of okay. A couple unusual things early on for Roll Tide Roll. The Ducks looking strong. Ohio State struggled last week after their loss to the Ducks, but got the win. Georgia. Georgia with uh, banana head Kirby Smart looking very strong right yeah, now. So defense is looking uh, real good. The junkyard dogs are looking very, very strong on the defensive side. They got Daniel to run the show and throw the ball down the field. Maybe this is Kirby Smart's here. We'll see. We will see. And nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Football League. The final update is the Carolina Panthers are now three and oh, as everybody it would be. A thriller against the Houston Texans. Sweet Lord, just get us to Sunday. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Big John, it's good to be back. Folks, for my partner, the great John Tiny. I am Al Renato, a.k.a. Alpha Warren Plains. This is the new report, old report, clearly the best damn podcast anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Have a great sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.